Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ranyogi Diaries. This is your host Santosh Shiva. Over the last 2 years I've had the privilege of talking to some amazing people, day-to-day people who are on an extraordinary journey of well-being through endurance sports. I hope you took some possibility back into your lives, took some action and maybe some inspiration to perspire. In the house today is Deepa Patel. Deepa Patel uh, is a very inspiring individual who has uh, broken barriers both cultural and gender to pursue her passion of being uh, an athlete, uh, be an endurance athlete, um, pursue her passion of triathlons and then eventually uh, to do her first Ironman. Hi Deepa, welcome to Run Yogi Diaries. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's uh, such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure to have you uh, on uh, on the show. You know, uh, we got to know each other because um, we've done some programs from uh, uh, you know a common set of programs and been associated yes. with transformational learning and things like that. And that's how we got to know each other. And it's very fascinating what you've been up to in this in the domain of endurance sports so uh, yes. uh look forward to having that conversation so let me you know maybe do a quick introduction of who you are and then um let me know if i missed anything and then we'll go from there how about that sounds great okay so deepa you're a dentist by profession right um, oral surgeon actually but yes oral dentist surgeon. first okay. and then oral surgeon yes 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 okay okay yeah. And uh, you live in the Maryland, Virginia area, correct? In the tri-state area, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, Northern Virginia. Right. Yeah. And uh, you started your uh, endurance journey with bicycling. Uh, and you've done a whole lot of endurance, long-distance cycling until something happened. And we'll get into that. You moved to running and and then became, became a marathoner. And then uh, after that, pivoted into triathlons and more recently, uh, been been doing Ironman uh, races, so pretty fascinating uh, journey there. And we're going to get behind the scenes on how it all happened. Um, what else? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. No, that hits all the high points. <laughs> okay. Yes. Perfect. So, Adipa, you know, I think maybe what we should do is uh, do a bit of a flashback. Uh, you know. Uh, and uh, get into how, why, and uh, what got you into endurance sports. Yeah, you know, it was funny when you invited me to be here. I was thinking about this for the last several days. Um, and I had I had actually forgotten something that really got me into this sport, which was, um, you know, I, I grew up, obviously, I'm of Indian descent and grew up in this country where my parents were immigrants. And... You know, so we always sort of grew up misfits, right? Uh, we're sort of Indian culturally, wanted to fit in and be American. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my parents really participated in getting a lot of my cousins and people over here and set up, right, uh, to start mm-hmm. a new life in the United States. And I remember, you know, um, I remember when I think I was probably in dental school, actually, and I have a cousin whose son was about three or four years old. 
Um, and he had been falling a lot on the playground. The, the teachers were really concerned about him. And because they didn't speak very good English at the time, they wanted me to go to Children's Hospital with them. They had a really important appointment for him um, that they wanted me to help, you know, sort of translate and mm -hmm. explain what was going on. And I will never forget, I was sitting in the room with them and the doctor came in and, and he said, we have some really unfortunate news for you. Uh, mm. Your son has muscular dystrophy. And mm. I, I don't think they knew at the time what he was going to face, but I did. I was going through my basic sciences and I knew that my nephew was going to face a, a short life, a hard life, and that his body was going to slowly deteriorate, which unfortunately it did. He passed away um, six years ago uh, mm. from the disease. And, you know, I just remember thinking to myself, I had always had this itch to do, um, to push myself to do more mm. than I thought I could currently achieve. But when I found that out, it's, it's ever, everything I did was for him. The first mm. few marathons were for him. The, mm. you know, I raised, um, several thousands of dollars for muscular dystrophy association. I went to some of their fundraising events um, mm. just because it, it occurred to me, you know, he was never going to be able to use his body for that. And God blessed me with a great body, one that works, one that's healthy. Yep. And um, I just wanted to be able to use it to achieve whatever I could achieve in this lifetime. Yeah. So that's Beautiful. what started me. Yeah. 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 Kind of a, uh, tragedy in it but at the same time uh, it seems to have uh, kind of evoked uh, some kind of inspiration uh, you know at, I mean you do have these kind of events a lot of people have these kind of events and uh, it's not like everyone takes away uh, inspiration from it you know uh, so which is which is fascinating I'm glad that you you took away a, a positive inspiration from something that was tragic um, uh, so that that's great that makes, makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think we take a body for granted, don't we? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really do. And our wellness, yeah. mental health, well-being, all of that is part of the body being healthy, right? So, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever had a a crick in the neck. You know, uh, every now and then I do get one, and you know, at that point in life, the only thing that matters is can that crick just go away? You know, you just want to turn your neck in a way that doesn't be doesn't pain you, right? Yes. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's just the irony of it. And, and then, you know, uh, a lot of us, a lot of people out there um, just don't take care of their bodies. Right. right. Um, and as you get older, it gets harder. You know, you, it gets harder. <laughs> the, the body is deteriorating and uh, <laughs> which is so unfortunate. Right. So anyway, that's the con this conversation is about, this is what yeah. the podcast is about. It's about bringing uh, that, point of view that hey you know as much as you take care of everything else your wealth your um you know everything else that you take care of that gives you happiness body is equally important <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely right? yeah. perfect so well so then you let's take us to that point in your life when you you know when when you pick the bike you know how did that come right. about yeah, well, you know, that's, so I was a oral surgery resident up in New York. So I, you know, I had a lot of time. I was on call from home, um, you know, and I was away from my family. They're all in the Virginia, D Northern Virginia, D.C. area. So I was alone a lot. 
And I would see people on these trails on the beach that would just have their bikes out and go out um, having a great time. And I thought, you know, I think I want to try that out. So mm. I would start cycling um, for hours and hours. I, you know, I went out at the time alone. Uh, I don't know if I do that much anymore, but I, I didn't, you know, I just wanted to go out. So I would map out my own routes. I went to the cycling store, um, got my first bike and then rapidly upgraded to my second one. I remember there were times that when I was a senior resident, I didn't have to be in the hospital. So I would take the beeper with me and I'd be riding with the pager, which we had in those days. I guess yeah, it wasn't yeah. that long ago. But anyway, and I would get paged and I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, Dr. So-and-so, yep, I'll be right there. And I was out <laughs> on my bike, you know, 20, 30 minutes out. Um you know, but that's what I did. And I just, I did a couple of races, um, on Eastern Long Island. Mm. Um, you know, one where we biked 50 miles, we went from, you know, we took a ferry, went to the Island shelter Island, biked around, came back. I just caught the bug. I loved it. You know, mm. just loved mm. it. So that's how it and started. This, mm. and th this was what year? This was 2007, 2008, somewhere in that range. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's been almost 15 years, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and when you started biking, you know, what, what was your first bike? Uh, did you go to Walmart and pick up the... Uh, <laughs> not, much, <laughs> not much better than that. Yeah, it was a, um, it was a, it was called, it's called a bear. It was a hybrid bike. Mm. So it was like the upright handles, which you can only usually ride for about 20, 30 miles before the neck starts bothering you. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, 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 pretty much milked out of that one everything I could, although it still is in my parents' garage <laughs> collecting yeah. dust. But uh, And then I just rapidly upgraded to a bike that I used for probably eight, nine years um, mm. after that. So that one I used for quite a while. And nice. I still have it in the other room. <laughs> nice. Can't get rid of it. And how long did you go on, on your ride? Did you, did, did you end up doing centuries and multi- you know, multi-stage races, I mean, rides and all that? Not there, not yet. Um, I think at that time, the furthest I had done was 50. Um, hmm. 50 seemed like a lot to me at the time. And I hmm. sort of stayed at, stayed at that until I got into my Ironman time. And then I okay. started building a lot more, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So, so you were cycling and um, and something, you know, there was a pivot for you that got you uh, into running, right? And when was that? Yeah, so that happened in 2015. Um, hmm. You know, and, and it's funny because I think there are these pivotal moments in your life where people think of things that you wish had not happened. You know, they hmm. hear something tragic happen to you and you think, well, I wish that hadn't gone that way. But I wouldn't have this have gone any other way. I mean, I had, hmm. um, I was going on trips at the time with Trek Travel so they do incredible trips all over um, the world, actually. Mm -hmm. This was my second trip with them. And I remember they were huddling us all up uh, at the, you know, they, they take us from place to place. And so mm -hmm. we were outside of Zion National Park. And they, they said, you know, you're about to go on a long descent. We had just climbed 10 miles. And if you know Utah, the, the mountains are vast yes. and the climbs mm -hmm. are long and the descents are long, too. So you can get some speed going. So they said, you know, 70% of cycling accidents are men going downhill. Mm. So once they said men, I just sort of tuned out. Uh, I figured it didn't apply to me. <laughs> and, you know, not more than two or three miles later, I was just having the time of my life. I was going down a very long downhill. 
And I saw some, the last thing I remember is I saw some rocks ahead of me that I remember thinking I should swerve to, to not mm-hmm. go over these rocks. And then I lost control of the bike and don't remember any of the next uh, 30 mm. minutes or so. So I had a pretty significant head injury concussion. Ooh. And when I woke up, you know, um, thankfully we had some anesthesiologists on our trip because we were in such a remote place that the EMS took quite a while to even get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I looked down in my hands. I mean, they're all deformed and black and blue bleeding mm. teeth or bleed. You know, I was, I was yeah. very, very aware that something pretty bad had happened. And, mm-hmm. but you know, like I, I think that really defined my experience of endurance sports. I didn't get into Ironman until after that. Mm-hmm. And you would think, you know, for a couple of years afterwards, it was really hard because I had my parents saying, you know, you shouldn't, you broke your hands. I mean, you broke mm-hmm. your wrists and, you know, you should not do this. This is for leisure. Mm-hmm. This is something mm-hmm. you you don't need to do this yeah. for work, yeah. but you do need your hands for work, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. so if you, if, if you get injured again, you may not be able to work. I think you should give up cycling. And mm-hmm. obviously they went through all the things I think any parent and family goes through. They were terrified because right. I was out there alone. Um, and I, they had to help me fly back. And it was just a very traumatizing thing for everybody to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to really reconcile that for myself. I think for about two years, I had to really reconcile, first of all, my fear of getting back on the bike, mm-hmm. just in general. Um, but secondly, thinking, well, you know, it is true that this is something I do for fun. And first mm-hmm. of all, is it fun for me still after all those memories? But is it safe? And is it something that, you know, do I, I don't need to do this again. You know, mm-hmm. I can go back, do be a surgeon. I didn't even know if I could go back to work for a while mm-hmm. because the injury mm-hmm. was so severe. Um, and I obviously, I ultimately came back in my own time. Mm-hmm. And inside of that experience, you know, I saw human beings in a way, you know, sometimes I think when you take risk, you, you can see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. I remember I was alone out there. Um, and the surgeon that came in to sew my lacerations up, he said, you know, if they don't want to admit you to the hospital, come stay with my wife and I, you know, we'll, we'll Mm. get you the to the airport in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was a nurse that was pouring peroxide into my jacket to get all the blood stains out. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember at the time, you know, I was on medicine, I was on pain medicine. I was pretty Mm -hmm. out of it, but I remember thinking there's kindness everywhere. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if you're really willing to, if you're willing to look for it and open yourself up to it, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was single at the time. I always wanted a relationship. I thought nobody cares about me. And then here's all mm-hmm. these people in my time of need that just really cared about me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I wish I could say I remembered it as a bad experience, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't. So did you have that, did you have that feeling at that time or is this something you reflected later I mean, this the sense of it almost seems like uh, you you had a sense of gratitude in spite of all that stuff that was going on. But was it at that moment, or was it something that you you know reflected later and figured out? Aha! Actually, that was not such a bad thing. Yeah, I think it was later. I think later. at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we all handle stressful situations differently. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. I delayed my emotional response. I delayed my processing until I was home safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember in the moment, and I and I think, you know, some of the development programs you and I have both done mm-hmm. teach us that, that being in the moment where your mind isn't so much doing much and you're just present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I was present to that love and that support that I got from perfect strangers. Mm -hmm. But I think later on, I really processed all of Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, um, it it helped me to just create a narrative of the whole experience that it was actually part of my journey. And I was always going to be proud of what I went through. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then what, what happened? How did you, uh, so you, you were down for almost two years and, and what were you doing in these two years? Were, were you just, did you just stop being active or, uh, you know, or what was, yeah. what was going on? Well, that's when I figured it was a good time to start getting into long distance running. <laughs> it was a lot less risky, uh, a lot less risky. So I did the Marine Corps Marathon. Um, I forget the years, I think it was 2014 and 16. And then I did the New York City Marathon in 2017. Um, so all that anxiety, I wasn't quite ready for the bike yet. Mm. So I just kind of pivoted and put that into running. So how, who, who got you into running? Was there someone, you, you know, was somebody asked you to go run? Or did you just one day decide, hey, you know, that just like that? How did it happen? You know, it's funny. The running, I can't remember. I just think I saw the Marine Corps marathon happening one Mm. day in DC. And then I looked more deeply into it. And I thought to myself, you know, given everything with my nephew, they had a fundraising entry to get into Marine Corps because otherwise it's a lottery. Mm. Um, And I said, you know what, I'm going to raise money for muscular dystrophy association and register for the marathon and sort of made sense to me in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It was an Mm -hmm. inspiration. Um, and it was raising money for a really great organization. Yeah. So that's sort of how I started that. I just set the goal of doing that. And running is definitely not something that I'm good at. Mm. (laughs) I would not say I'm good at, I'm not fast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. it kept me outside. And, you know, even later during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. running saved me, um, in a, in a dark time for, I think a lot of us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, coming back to the post, uh, you know, post fall phase, you you started running, mm-hmm. and, and and then how, how many marathons did you do in those in those years? Three years, uh, three marathons. Sorry, three marathons. Okay, and um, so obviously uh, it it may have even been uh, therapeutic for you, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. Just, just being able to get out there and do the running when you know it's very funny that uh, it happened to you the other way. For most people. It start their journey starts with running, and then they switch to cycling because they've either had they've had an injury or, you know, that's what happened to me at least. You know, I was uh, I used to be a runner, and then I had an injury, and I said I can't stay quiet, so I started doing long long distance cycling, and that that's how I got into cycling, and then got back to running, of course. Um, so uh, which which is fascinating, and and then how did that evolve, and how did that evolve into? <laughs> Bless you. How did that that evolve into triathlons? You know, I it's funny you ask that question. I cannot recall. I I do remember that my program director in my residency program had a picture of himself having done the Lake Placid Ironman. Mm, mm. And this guy, I mean, our program was in New York. It was on Long Island. He would drive from New Jersey all the way to Long Island every day. That's like an hour, 20 minute drive both ways. He worked long hours to train us. He was on call on weekends and somehow he still managed to do the training for an Ironman. And I remember Mm. 
asking him about it. And I think it was always in the back of my mind um, that this was something I wanted to do. And after the three marathons, I figured, well, I've sort of conquered the world of running. I, I mean, there mm. are ultra marathons and things that people do, um, you know, but I thought, that, well, I've done that, um, you know, and in my, in my gut, I thought, I felt like I had to abandon cycling, you know, because mm. cycling was like my child. I loved my bike. Right, I loved right. being out there. And I thought to myself, Deepa, you're either going to conquer this or you're going to let it conquer you. And in mm. somehow I knew it was time. And I and I, I have no swimming background. So then I thought, why not just throw that into the mix? Mm-hmm. So I started doing a very short distance um, sprint, Olympic, you know, things that were in the pool. So the swim wasn't as um, mm-hmm. scary, you know, because open water swimming can be difficult for people. Yeah. It certainly was difficult for me in the beginning, too. Um, so I just started that. And, I, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't a member of any tri club or anything. I had a couple of friends that I said, hey, do you want to try to do a sprint together? And they said, yeah, sure, that's not too threatening. Let's try that. And then, you know, I just kind of went from there to the local races that I would find out about on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, then eventually I went on to join a triathlon club. And then that made things a lot easier because, you know, there's a whole group of people going with you. So it's a little less intimidating, you know, to be part of a group that's cheering you on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes so. Did you have to learn swimming, or did you did you from scratch? You had to. You had to learn yeah, I. Yeah, I didn't. I knew how to swim, very basic. Mm. But I, mm. um, I got an Ironman coach, and uh, you know what he would he was local, and then later I switched to a, a different coach who is, I'm working with now, mm. and we would send you know, I would send videos of myself to her to coach me in how I was doing. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, we use training peaks. So she'll put in a workout for me to work on the form that she thinks I need to work on. And then I'll either send her the video or just the data from the swim that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how we, that's how I learned. And I mean, gosh, I improved just in ways I can't even describe in the sport of swimming, but no, I, I never had any formal swim lessons. I never had any formal running nothing i just sort of figured it out in my 30s um with the <laughs> yeah. right coaches with the right yeah, coaches yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and uh, so uh, when you were running and especially transitioning from running uh, bicycling to running uh first of what was preventing you from bicycling was was the was there uh, was it your hand that was stopping you from getting back on the bike no it was my mind <laughs> oh just, just the fear it's just the fear wow um i still have some residual wrist uh, pain on particularly on my left side um, Mm. where there was a very weird fracture that couldn't be treated. Um, It had Mm. to kind of heal by itself, but it never really healed. Right. Uh, But no, it wasn't pain. It was, um, it was that whole analysis, you know, is Mm. this worth the risk? You know, is it fun for me still? Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. And I just, it just took some time for me to resolve that for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all hear, unfortunately, we do hear from time to time of cyclists being, you yeah. know, in really serious situations. It's a grim reality that we sort of all face when we go out there. Um, but I can tell you that being part of the triathlon group made that a lot easier for me because our current triathlon club coach makes sure that he picks routes that are much less busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then riding with a group, as we all know, is just so much safer than riding by yourself. Yeah. Um, 
I think knowing that I was taking the steps I needed to take to be as safe as possible, that mm. helped me to get back into it as well. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, I've, uh, last year uh, over here in Houston, we've had some accidents, you know, someone I know, a good friend who had a rather bad accident and she's been in and out of hospitals and uh, it is it is an unfortunate thing. I mean, one is accidents because of natural reasons, like in your case, losing balance. And but there are cases of dogs and cases of you know, trucks, uh, drivers, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, you, you. It makes sense. I think riding in groups and uh, finding the right group, finding the right route, is very important in road road uh, uh, cycling. Um, now, in terms of your uh, fitness levels from bicycling to running, right, uh, did you find it very hard to do the transition? Because, you know, the, the biomechanics of the two are so drastically different, right? Um, um, yeah, they're different. But, well, you know, when um, in transitioning from the bike to the run, the, the you know, that brick, as it's called, mm -hmm. um, my coach and I, and I just can't say enough about the partnership my coach and I have, um, she has me still to this day doing a lot of back and forth from bike to run, bike to run, bike mm. to run. In fact, almost every time I bike, I try to do at least five minutes off of that because there's some muscle confusion there. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, for me now, there is really zero issue going from the bike straight to the run. Mm -hmm. um, I think the mechanics are different. I think that for me, I'm a, I'm much stronger on the bike than I am in running. Um, mm -hmm. it should sort of always happen. Um, but you know, there is some leg strength that does, I think, transfer over. Yeah. Uh, so th I, I would say the best answer I have to that is they're different. You know, what I've learned even recently is cycling. There, there's a lot of, uh, technical things mm. that can make hill climbing, for instance, go mm. a lot better for you if you are better with technique. And I mean, mm -hmm. I've been doing this now for over a decade and I still learn things from people on my club about, you know, sitting upright when you're climbing and, mm. um, you know, not being hunched over when you're getting tired and things like that, how to shift to make mm -hmm. sure that you're sort of maximizing what the bike can do for you, um, mm -hmm. with your shifting. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of things about biking, I think, that are more technical. I I think with running, it just comes down to forcing yourself to do it no matter how uncomfortable you feel, <laughs> <laughs> you know? You I know, mean... Uh, if you're, if you're, I think you you would find uh, some of us who are coming, who come in from the running side of it would say that, hey, running is quite technical too. <laughs> well, and there you go. Maybe that's my next right, growth, right? Right, right, is, right, right, right. Is to take on improving yeah. my run with the technical aspect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So there is there is a lot of nuances of uh, you know optimizing your cadence and your form and all that stuff, which allows you to very similar to bicycling. I mean, I, I'm not a good cyclist. I struggle with cycling. I always find that there are folks um, that always uh, you know just zoom past me, and I'm wondering what is that person doing to generate that kind of power. Maybe it's my bike. <laughs> I blame the bike. Yeah, yeah, it's so. easy to blame the bike. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I completely understand. And you know, that's where I think having a coach is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we're going to get into talking about something I'm super passionate about, which is getting more um, women like me into this sport. But you know, having a coach, I, you know, I'm getting ready to take on a really big race next year that's going to be mm. very hilly. 
And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, too. But um, I'm already thinking about the hill climbing. I'm already thinking about how I'm going to improve how I climb. And, you know, getting a power meter and doing some of the hilly rides in my area and making mm -hmm. sure that I just get out there and go as frequently as possible. I think that's all it really takes. Yeah, yeah. You know, just go out there as frequently as you can and just do it. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, I mean, let's talk about that. Uh, what you just uh, want, you know, you mentioned about uh, women in sports and especially um, South Asian women in America in sports. Um, let's let's talk about it. What what uh, what gets you uh, out there, and what did you have to deal with, and what and what maybe stops, in in your opinion, a lot of uh, others not to do it. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot too. You know, since we first chatted. Um, and I think it's it's just like anything. There's a there's a multitude of reasons. I know, mm. you know, and, and I hope I'm not uh, speaking for other people when they don't necessarily agree. But I know for me, and this sounds kind of some sort of simple, but I was young, and when I was outside, I got dark. And you know, in our culture, mm. there's sort of that idea of well, the fairer the skin you have, the mm. more attractive you are. Um, so that was a barrier for me, for sure, because even as a child, if you ask my parents, I wanted to be outside all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be, you know, out in the woods, hiking, you know, well, I was just an active kid. So that mm -hmm. was definitely something I think for me that was a barrier, um, you know, and then I just, again, like everything, I just had to say to myself, look, you know, if you really love this and if this makes you happy, yeah, yeah. you do have to sort of put that out of your head. I, I don't know if that influences a lot of other um, South Asian women, but I know for me, it was a, a definite barrier. Um, I think it's also just partially, you know, what are your friends doing? And, mm. you know, when you see your friends doing things, I think it's much easier. You know, not everybody's brave enough to say, I'm going to go and do this race uh, if I'm alone. What if I don't perform well? What if I embarrass myself? You know, what if I uh, make a fool of myself kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's yeah. common for everybody. That's a human phenomenon. Um, I And, you know, sometimes I think Indian women, sometimes we're, I don't know that we support each other as much as we could. Uh, mm. I think that sometimes is an issue. And the only other guess I have is maybe, um, Maybe this idea that men are still a little bit more dominant than we are, that we mm. are sort of, we have different interests. You know, I, I know for me, the pressure to get married and the pressure to be, you know, a mother and all these other things that kind of supersede, obviously having a great career as well, are yeah. more important than what you do for your recreation. So I think that is my best guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe the lack of mentorship also. You know, having somebody that you know is going to help you and walk you through what can be quite intimidating at first. Yeah. Um, those are my guesses. But, you know, I, I, I also just think at the end of the day, it's a big question mark because, yeah. you know, it didn't stop me to do it. Either. Somehow for yeah. me, I said, yeah. I don't I don't care about all that. I'm going to do it anyway. You know, <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. those are my best guesses. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think there is some, uh, I mean, obviously these are uh, speculations, you know, it's not like we've done a study of uh, of this and come to a conclusion but um also there is a sense, there is a fear right there's a fear of um the physiology being able to deal with this kind of stress or not i mean for example um you sometimes hear now you hear women uh, running during pregnancy right uh, 
uh, I couldn't have imagined that if you talked to me 15 years ago, right? Uh, yeah. uh, like when when my wife was uh, pregnant, we were, I mean, she was not allowed to take, you know, too much stress. She was, you know, sit down, don't move too much. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> and here, now, you, now you're seeing women actually running when they're pregnant and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is going on? We got this whole thing wrong, the whole physiology thing wrong, right? And, um, And the first time someone ran the Boston Marathon, right? The the lady, I forget, forget her name. Uh, right. She Switzer, was, Switzer? Uh, yes, Switzer she was very was pregnant, I think. She wasn't just a little pregnant. I think it was... Oh, really? The, the, you're talking about the lady who's, uh, who uh, ran the marathon the first time pretending to be a man and she... She was not pregnant. She was the well, first. Well, I remember somebody doing the, a recent story, and I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, that they were actually quite pregnant and did mm. the. I don't know if it was Boston, but you know, and she was fine. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think the doctors recommend that though, but <laughs> but yeah, she yeah. was really far along, and she went ahead and did it anyway. So yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. So I mean, anyway, I think the point being that there are a lot of myths around. Um, And women for sure for men too right i mean like your your knees is bad for your knees and uh you know you you'll have you'll especially if you're a runner you know uh, and there, there are a lot of these myths that stop people from wanting to try uh and be active right i absolutely agree um i can tell you you know for me uh this sport has really saved me uh, you know 2020 was supposed to be the year i did chattanooga uh, the iron man for the first time And obviously, we all know what happened in 2020. You know, my mm. tri club continued training until I think July was when they finally canceled it officially. Mm. Um, but we were up to 70, 80 miles of biking, running probably 10 miles and swimming, um, you know, 3,000 yards or so at that point in a sitting. And, you know, so but, uh, training was... The, you know, I felt it was safe. It, we're outside. Mm -hmm. We're in fresh air. We didn't have to worry as much about contracting the virus at that time. Yeah. And, you know, I I was a business owner in oral surgery where we're worried about droplets and aerosols constantly mm -hmm. and worried about getting sick. I was living alone. I was really lonely um, through the pandemic. And, you know, being able to go outside and ride my bike or going outside yeah. and being able to run just there were so many things I couldn't control at that time. I think we yeah. all felt that way. There was all this happening out of our control. But my going to the pool and swimming, which was yeah. also very hard to find because the pools were all closed for a number of months. And then they would restrict us in how long we could swim because of distancing, you know, so it's like, but, but I persisted. I was like, no, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I joined a pool uh, much further away so I could get my full hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a say in how that all went, you know, yeah, in the yeah. middle of chaos where I just had no say in what was happening. This was something that I could do. Yep. Yeah. And it, it saved me. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I relate to that. Um, I think we, you know, we have a group of uh, runners and, you know, we uh, uh, and, and what we did during pandemic was we did uh, virtual run. So we. Uh, couldn't necessarily meet because of CDC guidelines and stuff, but we would actually run together. But we would be on Zoom calls and <laughs> and run, and but but outside. Yeah. And so uh, it was it was it huge. It made a huge difference. And I, I saw a lot of people who who were struggling. Uh, they were not doing. They were not 
used to doing something like this and they were struggling with just being stuck in the house and and being even at risk of infection and things like that so yeah absolutely uh, absolutely makes sense there so you know in terms of your um, training itself in in general for um, so you 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 were you you got to running you you know switched to triathlons and then went on to do ironman and so uh, what how do you how are you balancing training i mean ironman training is very intense right it takes a lot of time so how long do you train in a week and how do you balance work and family and all that stuff yeah it's tough so i think for me um i'm part of a triathlon club which is great because mm-hmm. we have workouts that are organized throughout the week but i got a coach on top of that um mm-hmm. a private coach and mm-hmm. for that simple reason you know if i have an early or case i can't get up at, i usually get up and work out at five o'clock in the morning. Um, but that wasn't practical sometimes because I had to be in the OR by six thirty or seven in the morning. So, um, we would organize things around my schedule and, Mm. you know, she's, my coach has gone to Kona twice. Um, she's just a really, really incredible, um, triathlete and athlete in general. So I would say that's the number one thing is for anybody who has that you know, scheduling concern. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the other thing is just to make sure that everybody in your life knows what's happening. And they Mm. they need to know this well in advance, because those mental, it can take a mental toll. um, When you're feeling like, you know, gosh, my husband or my wife is upset that they haven't seen me or, you know, my my business is needing me. I, I know for me, there were days where I would run in the morning, the afternoon, and then do weights in the evening. So I would have three workouts in a day. Mm. Um, and if I didn't get on the treadmill by 1 p.m., I didn't get the full hour in, and then I was late for the afternoon. But if surgery mm. was running over, then I was I was frustrated. I was flustered, you know. Um, it's a lot of pressure. So I made sure that I adjusted my schedule as much as I was able to, which is great because I'm a I own my own practice so I could mm-hmm. come in late if I needed to um, I could leave early when I needed to but I made sure that six to eight months in advance I let everybody in my life know that this is what's going to be happening mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not easy I mean I when I did the Ironman in 2021 my niece and nephew were um, you know at this adorable age they were five mm-hmm. and three years old and mm-hmm. when I would go see my sister they just wanted to play and Mm -hmm. and they didn't want me to break away for two hours to run because at that Mm -hmm. point I had to do that long um, or do, you know, four or five hour bike ride. I mean, if I was visiting them, I didn't want to have to do that. So Mm -hmm. it was difficult. Um, There were times that I'd be on the indoor trainer for four hours because I didn't have a chance to go right outside. Um, Mm. And so, and four hours on the indoor trainer is a really long time. That's mentally difficult to do. Um, I did a half marathon on the treadmill once because it was uh, such bad weather outside. Mm -hmm. So those are things that are hard to do. And sometimes you just got to trick yourself. You've got to watch, binge watch your favorite Netflix or something Mm -hmm. um, to be able to get through that. But I would say the biggest thing is just having a coach. if, If you thrive in partnership, you know, having a coach that's there with you so that you can sort of vomit on them when the week is not mm. going well. And, mm. and and there were days where she would say, Deepa, you need to let yourself take the day off today. Mm-hmm. This is not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. Um, mm. Sometimes you get sick. 
you know, if you're overdoing it, sometimes you're not eating enough and you need to do more. And sometimes right. it is appropriate to take three or four days off for your own mental health. So mm -hmm. sometimes with with a coach, I think it makes it a lot easier to have the confidence and know that if you take four days off, you're not going to lose the fitness that you've gained already. Yeah. You know, but um, so I like that. And, and just being part of a tri club, not everyone mm -hmm. can afford a private coach, but having a triathlon club where you might have a coach that you can reach out to as an, mm -hmm. on an as needed basis uh, to guide somebody, particularly through the Ironman distance, because it mm -hmm. is just so demanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's my best advice for that. Yeah. Well, well said. Terrific. Great, great tips. What about injuries? Did you have to deal with injuries at all? Yes. In, in, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. What, what kind? I, I mean, that's why <laughs> earlier on I corrected you because as, gosh, as a surgeon, I was constantly pulling my back and hurting mm. my neck and particularly like just right in here um, mm. in the rhomboid region, I was having severe stabbing pain. I mean, it felt like it, particularly in the transition between the upright position on the bike and the arrow position. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of trouble transitioning into the arrow position. Um, so I was, I mean, I had to stop during the Ironman and put an icy hot patch on my neck. Wow. I had to have dry needling. I had to have acupuncture. Um, I had to do cupping almost every week. Mm. So, and that was just to manage it. That didn't even really get rid of it, but yeah. certainly did have that issue. I didn't have any other major things, but, mm. um, maybe a little IT band here and there, but it was mostly for me, my back and my neck. Mm. So, and that was brutal. I think even now I, I lay backwards on a foam roller because if you think about everything, all of us do yeah. this all day. Yeah. Yeah. And so opening up the posture is really important because you're doing the same thing on the bike yeah. for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So Makes the sense. injuries took, I, I would say just managing the neck issue took an extra two hours a week of needling mm. and massaging. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. So. And, 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 and what about nutrition? Um, did you, were, anything, did you have to change a lot about how, how you eat? And I had um, to change everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> everything. I had the worst eating habits you could even imagine. Um, they say that nutrition is the fourth discipline of the mm -hmm. Ironman. Mm -hmm. That if you don't conquer that, you might as well, you, it doesn't matter if you're the best at the other three, uh, you yeah. will not succeed. Mm -hmm. So I, and that's why I hired the coach I have. She's a nutritionist and mm -hmm. that's what had me pick her. Um, I had to, you know, within 20, 30 minutes of waking up, I had to get something in my stomach, not just mm -hmm. coffee, which is what I used to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, during the two, three hour long rides, you, we had to, we had a certain amount of calories Mm -hmm. per uh, hour on the bike that I had to do. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, honestly, it got me through the bike. A lot of people are like, how do you get through it without music or mm -hmm. distractions? And I said, well, all I thought about is I have to eat this much and I have to drink this much. Mm -hmm. And that got me through six, seven hours because you're just on the bike. You have to eat because mm -hmm. the, the marathon's coming. Right. And if you don't eat enough, you're not going to be able to eat during the marathon because your stomach will get upset. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I did that. I, you know, I tried different nutritional supplements to see what my stomach would deal with well, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that's another problem if you have, you know, d difficulties with GI distress. So I, that was a huge one. And, and again, it was just going out there and trying different things. Mm -hmm. Also adjusting for heat because, mm -hmm. um, some people lose a lot of salt. Yeah. And so I was adding just small amounts of salt to my, um, 
to my electrolyte mix mm -hmm. to see what was going to be the right combination of, because I also get heat related migraines. Mm. And so, you know, I have black hair as we all do. And then we're outside and 90 degree plus, uh, pounding on the pavement and mm. I saw some doctors about that but ultimately they said you know just just intake increase your salt intake mm. so that was part of the nutrition as well is making sure that I staved off those those headaches so you know but the cool thing is I got to learn my body in a way that mm. I think a lot of people never get to do you know I know yeah. now what I need to do based on what's going to happen conditions wise yeah yeah makes yeah. sense and, and what about uh you know, nutrition, like uh, just regular, your food, food habits that did you have, did you make a lot of changes in that as well? I mean, is there a particular diet you follow or anything that's worked for you? No, I would say, um, you know, the protein, it just with muscle hmm. breakdown comes recovery. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for people that are vegetarian and, you know, it can be difficult. Uh, hmm. You know, I, I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of the core power. So there's 45 grams of protein in one of those. Mm -hmm. So within an hour, I make sure I slam down one of those to recover. In fact, I remember the first 100-mile ride I did, I had a flight to Montana to go on a cycling trip that day. So I, mm. went, I went straight from, and it was pouring rain. So the last 20 mm. miles of my ride, I was soaking wet. I, ch I had a change of clothes in the car. I slammed one of those protein shakes and I went to the airport. I didn't even eat anything for mm. like probably eight, seven, eight hours after a hundred mile ride, if you can believe mm -hmm. it. But because of the protein intake, it kept my body from breaking itself down. Mm. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really important one. But I'll be honest, to me, the biggest thing was sleep and recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, without sleep and recovery, there's no amount of exercise that's going to make a difference for you if you're, yeah. if you're neglecting that. And then I think cutting down alcohol is a huge piece of success by the, mm. by the time I was four, three, four months out, I was, I had, not that I drink a lot, but just mm -hmm. really didn't even have a taste for it because I just was exercising so much. All I wanted was water, water, water. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's another big thing, you know, to flush yeah. out the toxins, electrolytes, water, um, recovery. But I think, I think as far as nutrition, as far as I can recall that and vitamins, Mm. to just replace what you're what you're taking away yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned sleep i think sleep's very important and uh, so do you measure sleep or how do you know you're getting enough sleep or is it basically number of hours yeah i mean i've never been a good sleeper that's again mm. another thing that i think is next to take on for me you know I'm, i do the same bad habits a lot of us do the, the phone mm. and the tv and mm -hmm. the, you know not having that you know what half hour they say that you should be blue light free before bedtime yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just make sure that I allotted a full seven, preferably eight hours, even if some of that was me waking up really early, but just laying there for a little bit. Mm. I think it was so important to have those times where I wasn't going from this to this, to this, to this. And the sleep was the only time that I was able to really do that. So, mm. you know, whatever we got to do to get enough sleep, I, I almost think a good night's rest is more important than training in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I know this year I undertrained a lot um, for the 70.3 distances I did, but my times went down. Mm. So it, it shows me that recovery is far more important than we realize. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've yeah. been uh, measuring sleep. Uh, I, I, I just wear my Apple Watch now and go to sleep with it. And, uh, 
gotten used to it now. Um, but uh, I've seen uh, there are days when you get, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half of deep sleep. I mean, deep sleep is on an average uh, less than an hour for me. But even if I, let's say, sleep eight hours, it's about one and a half, two hours of deep, deep sleep. And the other thing I, I get, I'm getting to measure while wearing something is your rested heart rate, you know. Right. Um, if you are recovered, your uh, your heart rate seems Goes to down. be on the lower end of the spectrum. Yes. Uh, but if you're tired, you, you, you're you going to have a higher heart rate. I've seen um, also alcohol increases heart rate and in fact also reduces your deep sleep. Uh, it does. Contrary to, yeah. <laughs> It really does. It makes your sleep quality terrible. Yeah, and yeah. there's also something that Garmin uses called the heart rate variability. I don't yeah. know much about yeah. that, but I think that is directly correlated to the alcohol and the sleep, um, yeah. particularly the sleep piece of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all of that, it all matters. But it's amazing to me that everybody focuses on the training, Yeah. but the recovery is just the other side of the hand in, in yeah. my experience. Yeah, the heart rate variability is a very fascinating uh, so I've read about it, and uh, uh, and you know, basically, what I learned is that the heart rate, the heart pumps uh, very. It doesn't pump at the same rate uh, when it's relaxed. It, it, it sometimes pumps uh, once, and then it goes off, and then it pumps again. So it's kind of chilled out. <laughs> That's what I'll I tell you. I had that. I had that issue when I was training. I remember my brother's a physician. And I remember, I think it was a Friday night, I came home and I was like, oh my God, I don't feel well. And I checked my pulse, you know, it, it had been a pretty busy day, but my pulse was way down. I mean, it was like in the 40s, um, mm -hmm. really, really slow. I think it might have even been in the high 30s, to be honest. Mm. I think I probably sort of almost pseudo fainted because I hadn't mm. had much to eat that day. And it didn't even really occur to me that that was, was what was going on. But I remember thinking, you know, what's going on in there? Like, am I dying? I mean, it's like nothing's, it's not beating fast enough, you know? Um, and that happens because with all this exercise, I was down at 52, 53 for my resting mm -hmm. heart rate, um, which started to feel normal to me. And now when it's high, I feel almost jittery because mm -hmm. my heart rate's high. You know, I feel mm -hmm. this anxiety because the heart rate's high because yeah. it's just not normally like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true. Yeah, one is the um, the rested the your rested heart rate. The other is the HRV we talked about, which is that your heart uh, your heart beats uh, un. It's not rhythmic as we think it is. When you're relaxed, your heart rate is a lot more less rhythmic. So there is a variability between each uh, heart rate. Is what I learned. So and when you're stressed, your heart's rating more. Your heart's beating more regular Regularly. intervals. So yeah. which is fascinating and. We don't we don't know of these things if you if you are if you're not uh, you know if you're not observing or reading about these things right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. makes sense makes sense and yeah. and so um, the event itself the the Ironman uh, the the Chattanooga one was the first one right that was my first yep and first I'm planning one. two for next year so all right you're you, you the, the the bugs bitten you so how was your first <laughs> Ironman how did that go. Oh, I just loved it. It was one of the best days of my life. I can tell you um, so many things made that day special. I mean, mm. not the least of which is just obviously all the work that I had put in and cashed in on it. And it was successful for me. It isn't mm. always successful for particularly for first time athletes. Um, but just having, you know, having my triathlon club there, it was mm. one of our goal races as a team. 
So we all had each other there, which was really great because there was just a lot of on-course support coming from our club. Um, having my dad there, I would say, mm. was one of the most special pieces of this entire thing. Because mm. as I had mentioned, you know, my parents didn't always understand what motiva- motivated me to run around and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um my dad was with me for the New York marathon, but this was just a completely other level. And I remember, you know, he, he told me about where he was going to be on the course. We sort of mapped it out together. Um, but then I, on the run, so I saw him on the bike course twice, but on the run course, I thought they would be at mile four and I didn't see them till 13. So I remember, Mm. you know, somewhere around 10 or 11, I was like, where are you? I'm getting tired. I need, I need you guys. And then they saw me at 13. And I mean, I don't think he's ever been so happy, so proud. Uh, You know, he just said, listen, sweet beta, you know, sweetheart. He's Uh like, you just got 13 miles to go. You can do this. And I was crying and I was, I was, I was tired at that point. Mm. I was tired. Um, but that was what made it special. And then just having my coach, uh, all the partnership my coach and I had created through the whole process. And she said, you're the one who did all this work. I said, but I couldn't have done it without you. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that we were doing accomplishing this amazing thing together. Um, you know, and as I crossed that finish line, I, you know, there's so many, so many thoughts in my head, but also my head was completely blank, meaning mm-hmm. It was just the moment was there and all I could do was just sob and think, I can't believe it. Like I came back from that accident. I came back from, actually I had had Lyme's disease too. I didn't even talk about that during Mm. my year where I did my first three 70.3s. I had, I was positive for Lyme disease, which I didn't realize till later, Mm. which was a huge challenge for me to overcome as well. So it was like all of that together. Um, and here I am accomplishing this. The pandemic was behind mm-hmm. us. I kept my mm-hmm. business alive through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was like everything just kind of came together in that moment. Um, I mean, I just, there's just really no words for, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give words to something that just, there's no words for it. And I just want everybody to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody Good. deserves to relate to themselves as that kind of, you know, hero, to be honest. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. Thank you. Like a, yeah. Like a, yeah. That's beautiful. And I like the way you kind of wrapped it up, you know, like a being a hero in your own story, right? Yeah. You don't, it's just your own story. And when you see, and you go out and do those things and finish the, get to the finish line, it's, you know, it's struggle. There's a lot of pain. There's so much training. There are injuries. But when you do that, when you hit that finish line, you're a hero in your own story. And that's just, worth it right it's all end of the day that's what makes it worth it that yeah. that say that it kind of explains it too <laughs> why do we go yeah. and sign another one right just after that you're ready to go again and the, you know they all have different um next year my plans are to do tremblant which is in in montreal um hmm. or sorry in quebec hmm. uh and you know it's been tough to go to the canadian races with covid their restrictions have been a little harder than ours um hmm. so for two years i've been eyeing that one um mostly because i also love to ski so this is on a ski resort is where this ironman happens so that you can imagine the hills are going to be pretty interesting so i'm excited about that uh and then i'm going to also do cozumel which is in you know down in mexico so that'll be a totally different type of race uh but i figured that two in the same year is going to be pretty ambitious goal we'll see uh how the year goes 
but that's my plan. And then, you know, I want to make sure that I mentioned also, and I know we, we wanted to discuss like more of my goals are to make sure that I mentor, um, South Asian female athletes. I, mm -hmm. I would say that's probably the biggest reason I wanted to be here and talk is I, I just want to be a resource for, you know, I, I'm not a certified coach, but I can mm -hmm. certainly be a mentor to, to help, you know, just build that confidence, yeah. um, yeah in our in our community to see more people like me out there absolutely yeah yeah and maybe i'll share your uh contact uh details on the uh, show notes and if people want to ping you and get some advice and talk to you you know we could do that right yeah absolutely i'm a big believer you know i'm not a parent yet but i think just having somebody in your corner cheerleading you on yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're a parent, when you're, you know, a sibling or anybody, a friend, coworker, anybody, you just someone who believes in you. Yeah. yeah. Can can propel you to do things you really didn't think you were capable of. So I want to be yeah. able to do that for people. Yeah. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Great. So, you know, we, we kind of covered quite a bit here, Deepa. You know, we, we and thanks for sharing the scenes, uh, the behind the scenes of, you know, what you do. Um, kind of coming to the last part of our conversation where I do have a fun Q&A round with my guests. Are you ready sure. for that? <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> right. Okay, here we go. So the first things first, you know, we're all endurance athletes. We, uh, at least the world thinks that we're all about just endurance and fitness and well-being. But uh, we have our uh, our indulgences. The first one is, what's your favorite junk food? Oh, that's easy. Cheese puffs. Cheese puffs. <laughs> Cheese puffs. Addiction, I would say. <laughs> Is that something you reward yourself after every workout or how do you do it? Not every, not every, because God knows if I did that, I'd be in trouble. But uh, I would say that's one of those for the really tough weeks. Mm. Stress yeah. eating. <laughs> Stress eating. Stress eating. All right. Um. A food that you despise. I mean, you'll never eat it. A food I despise. Maybe oh. a dish, something like a dish or... A... Yeah, there's definitely mm. things. Salad. <laughs> <laughs> See, that breaks the stereotype. That completely breaks the stereotype. <laughs> you know, the, the general impression is that, oh, these are endurance athletes. They eat, they eat a lot of greens and salads and they don't eat junk food. <laughs> There you just broke, a, just broke a stereotype. Great. Well, you know, maybe I do the endurance sports so that I can eat whatever I want to. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if uh, all of this is going to be worth it because I can go eat the food I want to eat, right? Absolutely. Uh, sources of inspiration for you? Oh, wow. You know, I just think anyone who's put themselves on the line to overcome adversity. Mm. I mean, everybody from, I was just watching the crown, you know, Queen Elizabeth to uh, the mom next door whose child is sick. And, you know, I, I have a lot of patients like that. Moms mm. raising children with disabilities and things like that. Um, seeing sometimes there's veterans or people who've lost limbs and they're out there competing, which is a huge inspiration. Mm. Um, you know, there's people out there, particularly with these races, I we, I see people from all different backgrounds, you know, mm. but different body types, frankly, mm. that are, mm. you know, out there and they're, they're all an inspiration to me. Um, 
I know, you know, there, there have been people in our club with sick children. I mean, really, you know, just things they're dealing with in life, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who overcome. So yeah. I say any of those, anybody who's dealing with something difficult and just refuses to let it break them. And, mm. you know, they cry at night, they, they sweat, they, they have a hard time, but then they get up and they keep going. Mm. Well said. Very well. Nice one. All right. Um, you're a sunset or a sunrise person from a workout perspective? Sunrise, for sure. Sunrise. Is that what you like or is that is that a arrangement because it works? <laughs> I I just think there's something neat about being out there when I've, it's still still and quiet and everyone else is mm. still asleep. Yeah. And um, there's a there's just like a moment in the morning when the light is just starting to come out when it's still quiet. Mm. Uh, I, I enjoy that. I like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. The last one is um, a question that I love to ask all my guests is, if we made a movie of your life, uh, who, what genre would you put it in and who would you hire to play your character? Oh, my gosh. I don't know how to answer that. In what genre? I would definitely be a comedy. I love making light of myself and making fun of myself Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Uh, So I think that would be one. And I would say, you know, one of my favorite movies is Bridget Jones Diary. I think I would be Renee Zellweger probably, even though Mm. she's not my same ethnicity, but I think I would have somebody like her. I think keeping, keeping a sense of humor. I'm glad that we got to that because through all the stuff that we do, you know, you do have to laugh at yourself sometimes and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've yeah. had races that haven't gone well, and I just kind of laugh about, you know, gosh, man, that was a dumb mistake, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I would say about that one. Yep. Good one, good one. Yeah. Renee Zilviger. It's been a while since uh, I, I saw her. Uh, so, you know what, Renee, there's a script coming your way. Maybe you should come back to movies. I haven't seen yeah. you. <laughs> She hasn't been on. Yeah, the, yeah, that series was very funny, you know, if, if you know, if you're familiar with it. But um, yeah, I think it'd be great. Maybe yeah. Renee, maybe Bridget Jones does a marathon or something like that. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty cool. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. All right. Hey, that was a, a great conversation. Uh, I love, you know, uh, uh, how you've gone about your journey, learned a few things in the process. And I'm sure uh, it's an inspiration for um, others, especially women and, you know, women from the South Asian community to look at what you're doing and say, hey, you know what, uh, this is possible. It has an upside to one's life. Um, and um, great uh, uh, for sharing that. So kind of uh, coming to wrap up here, uh, give you the last word, any final messages, any last messages, final message you want to give to our audience and listeners? Yeah, I think the final message is just don't ever put any limits on yourself, you know, mm. like this just because you haven't gotten here yet is not it's you don't may not see people that look like you there or mm-hmm. you may worry that you're not going to be the top of the class but you belong here and mm-hmm. i just want to by the time my career in triathlon ends um i want to be able to see you know 50 60 indian women out there just having a great time yeah so that's what i would say is just this is this is for you you belong here Anybody yeah. belongs here, but in particular, that yeah, community yeah. matters to me. Yeah. So that's All what right. I want to leave everybody with. And I'm happy to be part of anybody's journey. Just feel mm-hmm. free to pass my information along. 
Wonderful. Hashtag limitless. Nice. Limitless. Yeah. Great. Uh, Deepa, thanks for uh, your time today. Um, you know, uh, I wish you all the best for whatever you're doing next year with all this wonderful Ironman that Ironman races that you've planned. Hope that goes great and you thrive in it. Uh, we'll keep an eye out and we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be cheering you on. Um, I'll let you go and enjoy the rest of the evening today and we'll stay in touch. Definitely. Thank you so much. 